Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I struggle with an addiction to pornography and other lustful behaviors. And I am sharing this podcast with the hopes that my journey and my struggles, my faith and my overcoming this addiction and being in recovery can uplift and help others find hope in their lives and find recovery and healing. Last time, my wife and I had a joint podcast where we shared a little bit about our story. In this episode today, I would like to share more about my personal story and how it relates to my recovery and my struggles with addiction. The stories that I share today, I'm sure will resonate with many of you, but if they don't, I hope that you can find those elements of my story that match and coincide with your experiences. Maybe you were able to kick your habit in just one month after only struggling with it for two years compared to me who I've struggled with it for well over 12 years of my life. Or maybe you don't struggle with honesty the way that I do. But I hope that you can take those elements from my story that I'll share today that relate to you. And I just want to emphasize that I am not an expert on this subject. I am simply someone who is in recovery. Someone who has spent a lot of time working through the steps and sponsoring people and mentoring others. Being mentored myself and attending recovery meetings. I do not hold any certificates or any um, you know, expert credentials. And so I, I try not to give advice and I try not to say this is the way, but I hope what I share today can help you. So in this episode, I would like to share about myself, share a few things that have helped me, and then give you a little bit of a vision of where I'd like to go with this series. So my addiction started when I was about 12 years old. I got an iPod touch for the first time and I had essentially no restrictions. Over the next five years, my addiction progressed and progressively became more and more intense. It started on my iPod Touch with simple things, small things, and with low levels of frequency. As I went forward, I progressed to the point where I was going to porn sites and uh, indulging in, in other lustful behaviors, and this all happened in complete isolation. So I am a firm believer. I've always had faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And growing up, despite this addiction, and despite the years and years of lying and isolation, I went through all the priesthood ordinations and offices, and I held callings. I was, you know, in the deacon's quorum presidency and the teacher's quorum presidency and, and on up. And I served diligently and, and faithfully, but I always had the secret, and that was that I looked at pornography and that I struggled with that. And as I went up in my years, I, I remember attending a, a youth conference where 
as I remember, I was lying on the floor next to a buddy and we were in our sleeping bags and we were just talking late into the night. And my buddy said something along the lines of, man, if I had something that I needed to clear up with my bishop, I would do it immediately. If I had some grievous sin, I wouldn't wait. I would, I would immediately share it with my bishop so that I could get cleaned up because eternity is not worth lying and it's not worth the pain that would come from having to share an experience like that. And I remember lying on the floor next to him and I was about 14 at the time and I thought to myself, I have what I deem to be a grievous sin that I need to clear up with my bishop. I was very aware of that. But I I didn't know if I had the integrity and energy inside me to reach out to a priesthood leader or someone who could help me you know, come out of this, even my parents. And I remember I came home from that youth conference and I was so close to going in and looking for help. Um, but it, nothing happened out of that. It wasn't until I was 16 and I had been in my addiction for about five years and I had been, again, in complete isolation. I'd, I had never told another human soul about my addiction for five years. And I had always, I always had wanted to clean up and I had always wanted to get better and become sober from my addiction. I had looked up resources online. I had researched camps and conferences where you could go. I had researched the church's 12-step manual and other resources that were out there. And I think the problem with all of them was that to a certain level, confession and honesty were necessary for all of the recovery tracks. For me to go to some sort of a, a conference, I'd have to tell my parents and fork out the money and attend the conference. If I wanted to go you know, to see a counselor, I would have to tell my parents, you know, so no matter what I did, I, I, there was, I had to tell someone and I felt like in order for me to tell someone about my addiction, I needed to be several weeks removed from it. So not having indulged in my addiction for, you know, several weeks or at least several days. And that just never happened. And it wasn't until I was 16 and I was at another kind of scout camp type youth conference activity where we were staying at a buddy's cabin and stake president was there and we had a bit of a devotional in the evening and we were discussing all the things that were necessary to get on a mission and getting just psyched on serving missions and i remember i was sitting there and stake president got up and he spoke for about 10 or 15 minutes and he talked about repentance and the process of getting yourself clean enough to serve as one of the lord's missionaries and he said that no matter what you've done or where you are barring, you know, a few grievous sins that you could get on a mission within a year. And I did the math and I was about a year and a half out of from where I would like to be on a mission. And I realized if I was going to clean myself up, this was the time to do it. And something clicked for me that day. And I just realized I, I have to tell my bishop or my parents or something. I have to get, get clean from this. And, and that scared me so bad, but it gave me such energy and hope and optimism. And I, I went home from that trip pondering this as I was driving home. And I, I remember I was looking out the window. I remember exactly where I was. And my mom called me and I picked up the phone and she said, Matt, you're meeting with Bishop tomorrow. He wants to renew your temple recommend and talk about getting a patriarchal blessing. And I, I remember hanging up the call and just sinking into my seat and feeling this energy. And I didn't really maybe know it at the time, but probably the spirit just impressing on my soul that this was God answering my unsaid prayers, my deepest desires 
This was God leading me in the right direction. So the next morning I sat in the bishop's office and I told him everything. I told him that I had been struggling with pornography and other lustful behaviors now for about five years. And that I wanted nothing more than to serve a mission and get clean. And he was so kind and compassionate. He was so knowledgeable and helpful to me. And he told me to go home and tell my parents. I hadn't told my parents or anyone except him up to that point. He said, go tell your parents, ask your dad for a priesthood blessing, and we'll meet in a week. And I went home and I was so scared. I I think I spent the entire day just in fear. And I remember it was about time for me to go to bed. And I just went to my both my parents and I said, hey, can you meet me downstairs? And I told them. And it was so scary. I was scared to death. And I don't know why. I, what was it? Why was I so scared? It's There's some factor there of, you know, being, being in this isolation. It's a lie of Satan. I mean, that's just what it comes down to is that he tells you that no one will love you. No one will accept you. No one else struggles. Everyone struggles. That's not true. So I told my parents and they responded just out, in an outstanding way. And my mom immediately got me a counselor and got me in to see that counselor on a regular basis. Uh, my dad was super supportive. I, I met with the bishop several more times. And that's essentially where my recovery stopped. I got initial help and had initial success. Maybe, I, I mean, I don't, I can't quantify the success that I had, but basically nothing happened except that three people, four counting my counselor in my life, knew about my addiction. And nothing really changed. I met with the bishop and I went back to lying mode. He said, you know, Matt, how are you doing? How's your addiction? I mean, I don't know if we called it an addiction at that point, but how... How are you doing? How, like, have you been looking at pornography less? And, you know, what am I supposed to say in that scenario? And so I obviously said, yes, yeah, it's going well. I've, yeah, I've, I've actually been doing really well. I'm, I'm an excellent liar. I mean, that's just, I think that's what happens when you have an addiction like this. But I just told them what they wanted to hear. And after a few months, things dwindled down and I stopped meeting with my, you know, therapist, counselor, and I just was on my own again. And things were better I think a little bit, but at the same time, I felt a little bit hopeless that I would never fully overcome my addiction. And about six months later, I, it's embarrassing this story, but uh, there was someone that I, I had a crush on. <laughs> and I had had a crush on her for quite a while. And I found out basically over a weekend that she liked me back. You know, this was high school. And it was something about realizing that maybe it wasn't her that I was going to marry, but I would marry some some woman who, you know, was this like virtuous daughter of God. And I wanted to be clean and, and wholesome and virtuous for them. And something just clicked in me where I realized I, I need to stop. And from that day for about three months, I just went cold turkey, completely sober. I didn't engage in any aspect of my addiction. And I engaged in my addiction a few more times um, after that before my mission, but essentially I was completely completely clean from my addiction. I, I don't know what it was, and I didn't really develop many coping techniques, but I was essentially able to clean up and prepare for my mission. And um, about eight months later, I ended up leaving on my mission, and it was a great two years. And when I came home, I started dating my wife. And I had been doing so well in my addiction. I hadn't looked at pornography for, you know, almost three years at that point. And little by little, after we got engaged, I actually started to, so my wife and I, 
we dated for about two months after my mission and then two months uh so we got engaged and then two months after that we got married so essentially four months off my mission we got married and shortly after we got engaged so just after we had um about two months after my mission I slowly started getting back into my addiction and it was just something that again just kind of happened little by little in such small ways that I I can't even tell you the first time that I looked at pornography or the first time that um you know I slipped up in any way but by the time we were seriously preparing for our, our wedding, I, I know I was back in my addiction. And it wasn't at all what it was before, but it was me maybe weekly, um, you know, relapsing and slipping up. And I went back again to my old self, just lying and being isolated and not letting anyone in. And I was afraid, I think at that time, that if I came clean and told the truth and told my wife, told my bishop, told my stake president that, you know, something would happen and maybe we wouldn't get married. Maybe I would be embarrassed and people would find out that I have an addiction. Maybe we wouldn't be able to get married in the temple. Maybe, you know, so many factors went around in my mind and I just went back to that isolation and I didn't tell anybody. And I really wasn't asked specifically. And which is, I mean, obviously it's on me to, to, to you know, confess and, and seek help. But... I mean, everyone just assumed he was right off of his mission and that I was completely clean. And so I got married lying to my wife about my addiction and about where I was at in my recovery. And that is how my marriage continued for about the first year. I, again, it wasn't the addiction that it was when I was younger, but I was um, maybe weekly, maybe twice a month, I don't know, maybe once a month, you know, indulging in some way in, in my addiction in pornography and in other lustful behaviors. And... My wife did, to her credit, you know, talk to me about pornography. And, and the two of us talked while we were dating. And, and at that point, I hadn't uh, indulged in my addiction. And that was kind of where everything was based off of me telling her that, you know, I, I had been, it had been three years or whatever since I had looked at pornography. And that's how our first year of marriage went. Just her maybe occasionally saying, you know, how are you doing? I'd love to talk to you about this. And me just answering again, just back to the bishop's office, back to... Uh, you know, my counselor back to my parents asking me about it. I, I just said, things are fine. I'm doing well, you know, maybe gave her a shred of evidence like, oh, you know, I maybe felt triggered about this one thing, but I have this great habit of, of coping. And I did have decent habits of coping at that point, but I was, you know, fully uh, in my addiction and in, uh, in my lies. And like I mentioned in the last episode, the night before our, our one year anniversary, my wife asked me, some deeper questions about my addiction, and I finally came clean. And that was just an explosive moment in my life where I, it was just like the first time, unbelievable weight off my shoulders. And it was back to that bishop's office for me in a good way where I was able to just tell, you know, everything about where I was at. And it was hard. It was a rough few days for us. But we got through it and I was able to, again, go about two months completely sober. And it was the first time that I had done that for, you know, well over a year. And um, I relapsed and I told my wife immediately. And then I was able to go clean for a, a few days. And then I, I had a few relapses and I just, man, I was like, you know, I just, what if I just don't tell Katie about these ones? And then I, so I, so I was lying to her and then I had more and then I had more and more. And then I, I'd have one and I would tell Katie 
And that's how that whole year progressed, the second year of my marriage until October. And in October, my wife came home one day, and I talked about this last time, but she just came in with a look on her face like she meant business. <laughs> like I knew whatever she was about to say, it was it was serious. And she confronted me, and I, I don't remember if she sat down or we're in the kitchen, and she just looked me dead in the eye, and she said, I feel like you're lying to me. I feel like there's more that you're not telling me about your addiction. And it's a little bit like President Nelson talked about a few conferences ago, where it is our responsibility as men to help the women in our lives receive the blessings that come from keeping the covenant of the law of chastity. And I realized in that moment that I was not allowing my wife to receive all the blessings that she needed. And of course I had thought that before, but it just became so real to me. I I thought, man, this woman, my wife, is receiving revelation from God. No one could have told her that I was struggling with an addiction to pornography, except God. No one could have told her that I was lying to her, except God. Obviously, she could have, you know, feelings of wonder and doubt and things, but that was direct revelation. And I just, I couldn't lie to her at that moment. And a light bulb went off in my mind and something clicked again. I just had these clicking moments where since that day, and it's been well over two years since then, I have not been able to lie to my wife in order to be with her be together to talk to her to look her in the eyes I've had to just spill everything and that has been one of the biggest blessings of my life I realized from that day that my addiction to dishonesty was a bigger problem than my addiction to pornography and I realized that I struggle with being honest because and I think a lot of it has to do with me being a perfectionist, me never wanting people to see my weaknesses. I always put off, even in this podcast right now, I'm, I'm trying to put off, you know, I have my life figured out. I'm, I'm two years, you know, sober from my addiction. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gone through the ringer and I'm here to help you. That's just not true. I mean, today was a hard day for me. I am in the middle of an extremely stressful business deal. And uh, that makes me sound cool. I'm not cool. I've never started a business in my life. It's like my greatest dream. Uh, I've never, you know, made a sale in my life, but I'm working on it. And that's what I I want to be. I I struggle with perfectionism. I struggle with weakness. And I I always want people to think that I'm I'm the best me that I am. And I do my best, but I, 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 I learned from that moment that I need to be honest and that that's the only way that I'm going to recover from this addiction. Because when I'm dishonest, Satan has power over me. And when I'm dishonest, I can't be humble. And... Honesty and humility are the two greatest lessons that I, I think I learned from that experience with my wife because the Lord is going to humble you like no matter what. And you can choose to humble yourself and take a little bit of an easier road and definitely a more blessed road, or you can choose to let the Lord humble you and it's going to be hard and he's going to drag you through you know, obstacles and trials and different things to get you to where he wants you to be because he's going to make you the, the person that he wants you to be. So I learned from that day you know, humility and honesty. So several months after my wife found out about my addiction and I had been honest for several months, I had been sober for several months, I was feeling like I could not get forgiveness. I was feeling like I just couldn't find forgiveness from God. And it really like tore at me because for the first time in my life, I had been completely honest about everything. I had told my wife everything in my life, every secret. And I had 
been doing so well in my addiction. I'd been working through the steps, attending meetings, going to therapy, and I just didn't feel like I was receiving forgiveness from God. And I ended up going to see the bishop. And if you haven't already caught on, talking to bishops and people generally about my addiction has always been really hard for me. And I I wasn't sure if I needed to see my bishop now that I was kind of sober. The last time I had seen my bishop, he had been just so amazing about it. That was around our, our first anniversary when my wife um, had found out for the first time she had me go to the bishop. And you know, I told him everything and he was just so kind and patient and loving and compassionate to me and almost so sort of chill about it that I almost felt like it wasn't really necessary to ever go see him again because he just made me feel like, oh yeah, everyone struggles with this and you know work on it, but you'll, you'll get there. And so I ended up going to see the bishop this time and I told him, man, I've just been struggling and I'm doing so well in my addiction though, but I just am struggling to feel complete forgiveness from, from Jesus Christ, from God. And he looked at me and he looked down at his desk and he looked back at me and there was a brief silence, about like 15 seconds. And then he looked me in the eyes and he said, Brother Davis, Matt, I can tell you as the Lord's authorized servant that God forgives you. And he wants you to know that. And those few sentences just sunk to my soul and pierced me with the Holy Ghost. And I just was overcome by the Spirit. And I felt that forgiveness so powerfully. And it was exactly just what I had been imagining, what I had been looking for. And I went and I sat in sacrament meeting that day, feeling just completely clean, completely like a new man. And I, looking back on that experience, I think, I think the Lord had a lot of lessons that he wanted to teach me. And I think that he was sort of holding out, it might have just been me not forgiving myself, but I, I think in, in some way, I think the Lord was wanting me to reach out and get out of that isolation and talk to my priesthood leader and get to know him and understand how priesthood authority works and how I can go and meet with a bishop and he can help me on my journey. And I think that was such a powerful experience for me because a month or two after that, maybe it was just a few weeks later, I was actually called into the stake president's office and he extended a calling to me. Um, and it was actually to be the elders quorum president in our young married student ward at BYU. And he asked me obviously about where I was at with pornography and, and things like that. And I told him and I, um, you know, told him everything. And I said, it's been a few months, you know, but I've, I've worked with the bishop and I was able to feel in that interview that I was completely worthy and clean and, worthy to receive this this calling whether or not you know i i was the right person for it or or whatever i I wasn't sure but i felt like i could say when when the stake president said you know do you feel like you can take this calling on i i was i just felt like i could you know absolutely say yes and that was such a blessing to feel that way and i that has everything to do with working with my bishop being honest working with my wife and i just i can't imagine what that would have felt like to you know, I've been lying at that point to have not met with my bishop and been unsure of my standing before God, you know, to say, I don't know if I'm clean. I don't know if I'm worthy to receive this calling. And that's not to say that I was perfect at that point or anything, but, you know, you can feel forgiveness. You can feel that remission of sins. After my wife confronted me 
I know it's probably hard to keep this timeline straight, but I, I, I was sober for four, four months after that. I went 116 days and I didn't lie and I, I didn't relapse. I didn't give into my addiction at all. We started seeing a therapist. We worked together through a lot of issues and man, my weaknesses were never more apparent uh, as they were at that time. And then in February of 2019, so about four months after I, my wife confronted me that initial time, I had a relapse. And it wasn't a big relapse like they used to be, but it was a significant misstep on my part that denoted my complacency and my lack of consistency and determination in my addiction. And that finally was a, it was basically the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And after four months, and honestly longer, more than a year of my wife pushing me to get a sponsor. She had been pushing me from the beginning <laughs> to get a sponsor. And I had been attending the 12-step group. I had been working through the steps. I was on step, I don't know, seven or something. But she was like, you, you need to get a sponsor. And finally, this relapse, the second, or no, this, yeah, so the first relapse that I had after that four-month stretch of complete honesty, kind of just, I just finally humbled myself again to the point where I, I could go get uh, a sponsor. And um, we can talk more about it in future episodes. I, I'm so excited to, to discuss these things in, in more depth. But I finally got a sponsor, and it had just taken me so long to find. Just I was nervous. I was afraid. But a few days after I got that sponsor, I had my second relapse. And that one was even smaller than the first one, which, uh, you know, is a, is a good thing. But it just told me that, you know, I... I I could beat this thing. It was so dumb. What a dumb relapse to have. And my sponsor helped me work through it. And um, some other things happened around this time that were incredible blessings to me. But after that last relapse, I ended up going from there until today in sobriety. And I have been sober and recovered uh, in my addiction to pornography now for almost two years. Uh, Two years will be next month. And that has been such a blessing to me. It has made me feel... I always tell the story, but I, I went from a person that couldn't feel comfortable or like couldn't trust himself to be home alone for a few hours while my wife was away to now I can be with both my children and my wife can be at a birth or at, you know, something where she's, you know, occupied for 24 hours and I'm completely able to resist temptation and be the, be a dad, be a normal person that's not constantly thinking about his addiction and that is just an a priceless blessing and so for the next year um, I served again as elders quorum president and slowly but surely I got a little bit better at sharing my journey and my story with other people who struggle and I was able to almost every week in elders quorum get up and say hey everyone I'm going to a 12-step meeting tonight and you are all welcome and you know eventually I was able to say, I'm a facilitator at the meeting, and if you come, you know, I'll be there, and and please, you know, come shake my hand. I'd love to get to know you, and I just want everyone to be there. I know, you know, there are people struggling with this. I was able to get up in sacrament meeting and tell the entire ward that I struggled with pornography addiction, and I didn't do that to confess my sins to the ward, but I did that to share hope and healing to those in need. There are so many people struggling, and I hope that this podcast can reach them, and those were amazing experiences. I have been able to facilitate 12-step meetings and work with individuals on their journey of recovery. I've been able to sponsor individuals 
as they have overcome their addiction. And all those things have been just an incredible blessing for me. That being said, there's always room to progress. I am constantly being made aware of my weaknesses, constantly having to rehumble myself, constantly having to decide honesty. I remember a few months ago, there was a, a situation where I bought AirPods, ran them through the washer, and then had an opportunity. <laughs> I figured out a way you know, that I could get some free AirPods, but I'd have to lie. And um, I put myself in this sticky situation, and it was, it was hard to get out of. But I, I ended up having to choose honesty. And, and that is just, there's so much room for growth, but there's so much power in complete integrity and in humility and in recovery in being self-aware. And again, I am, I am working through so many elements of my addiction. And I just, I hope that I can continue to progress and not become complacent. I hope that I can share my journey of recovery with all of you on here. And I hope that we can be a community. That's my vision for where this podcast can go is for us to create a, a group of men um, and women who support their husbands and their spouses and, and their loved ones. We can become a group of God's children who are overcoming and healing the weaknesses that exist in their life. So that's some of my background. I have done it all. Maybe not in a literal sense, but you know, if someone were to share something that they've done, I, I just can't feel like I would judge them because I have made so many mistakes. And so that's why I wanted to share a little bit about my background. I want anyone at any stage to listen and feel that I'm here with you. Please reach out to me. I'm going to put my email and my, I don't know, my phone number or something like that in, in the comments so that anyone who wants to reach out to me, I'd love to get back to you. I'd love to talk to you. If you're looking for a sponsor, I would love to connect you with a sponsor or sponsor you myself if, if that's a you know a connection that we can make. I want to hear your thoughts on this podcast. I want to hear feedback. What, what do you like? What do you not like? What, what do you want more of? I want to hear where you're at, what you're up to. Also, if you're willing to be a sponsor, please reach out. Um, send me an email and say, you know, I'm, you know, recovered, or I'm sober for 10 months or a year or two years or whatever. And uh, I feel like I can, I can sponsor someone. I'd love to create a community of people, you know, looking for and finding sponsors. So I appreciate everyone listening today. And I, I'm happy that I could share a little bit about my story, tell you a little bit about where I've been. And I hope to, by doing that, create a culture of vulnerability in these podcasts where I can bring people on the show and they can share and we can draw from their life experiences and we can create just a powerful place where people can come to find healing and hope. And uh, thanks for listening and I'll, I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.